This is I'd Rather Be Right, a podcast about big ideas and better predictions. And dick jokes. Which is why this isn't financial, legal, or even dating advice. We might be rich, successful, and good-looking, but Mark Cuban hates us. So prepare to enjoy the best podcast that only awesome, charming, and attractive people like you listen to. Hello, welcome back to the I'd Rather Be Right podcast with Luke and Nate. It is currently Wednesday, 420. Smoke them if you got them. I'm here in Albuquerque, New Mexico, where weed is now officially legal. We, I think it became, it became legal, I don't know, a month ago or something, maybe, maybe April 1st. I think it, came, it became legal here, finally. We're on the right side of history. Uh, <clears throat> Nate and I just got back from a trip to mars elon musk took all of the bitcoiners to mars and we just smoked a lot of weed just smoked a lot of blunts happy 420 that's where we got these souvenir hats or maybe we were too high i made the whole thing up uh <laughs> nobody knows <laughs> nate how's it going it's going well by the way it's legal here in virginia too it's been legal since last july wow i know new mexico's late now the thing about it is it was legal to grow and consume to gift it wasn't legal to sell and i think that's coming that's coming the problem was they had to get the whole regime up for legalized um dispensaries but but they right for a long time they were, they were making the whole thing happen at once uh and people got angry were like just make at least make the growing and the possession and the gifting part legal now so we don't have to wait so they fast-tracked that and so as of july or something i think last year um, or maybe it was a little earlier, um, it was legal. So that's been legal for a while. Nice. Yeah, we've had medical we've had medical marijuana legal for a couple of years, and now it's recreationally legal, I think, if you're over 21. The interesting part was it became legal, I think, on the first of the year, but they couldn't actually make any policies or any rules until it was, like, legal, and then it became legal. And then so they set a, um, like, April 1st date to, like, figure out the rules of like the zoning and all these like different things. And I haven't, I don't like, you still can't buy it. I don't, I mean, you can buy it, but I don't, I don't think there's any stores. At least I haven't heard of any stores except for like in some of the more rural parts of New Mexico, but you know, it's legal here, I guess that's cool. I mean, I don't smoke weed, so it's not a huge deal for me, but you know, everyone who does like good for you. My, uh, my vice booze has been legal for, uh, literally decades, so almost a hundred years. <laughs> oh man, that's true. Uh, yeah, I would say I um, I've smoked it a few times, but I'm not a big fan of it. Uh, I prefer my drinking. Yeah. The problem with drinking is like the hangover afterwards is so terrible. I wish I was a pothead. I wish I was like hundred percent. I wish I was a pothead over um, like a booze hound because you're right. The hangovers are just like like if there's no booze, if there's no hangovers. Uh, drinking, I would drink all the time, but because of hangovers, it's like, all right, like, what do I have to do later? What do I have to do tomorrow? You got to think about all these things. Or if I was a weed head, I mean, that'd be sweet, but just, I'm not interested in it. <laughs> yeah. I'm, uh, I mean, I, I, I've enjoyed it a few times, but I, I, the thing is like a lot of times I do it when I'm already drunk and that's a big mistake. I feel like that's it. <laughs> yeah. I'm like it just makes <laughs> sense, and then, I, and then I'm just like miserable. It doesn't like yeah. you know, there's a whole thing. Oh, if you do, if you get high, it makes your hangover worse, uh, less bad. I've never found that. I've found it. It's actually always yeah, worse. But that's probably opposite. because I drink so. It's it's usually because I'm really really wasted at the time I do it. So there's probably Same, all, yeah. so, and all it really does is dry my eyes out and make me so I can't sleep, which just makes right. the whole next day miserable, more miserable. So yeah, I can't sleep either. That's it's funny that like people use it for pain. And like to sleep and to like reduce their anxiety. Weed does the opposite. It gives me more anxiety. It makes me stay awake. <laughs> like I feel yeah. pain more acutely. Like I like I don't understand medical weed at all. Yeah, it's the one time I did it recently where I I've been drinking, but I didn't drink that much. So I finally could it finally say, oh, that's what being high is. And I kind of hated it. Um, yeah, it, it must have been more like a sativa type thing because it was. Um, I was very in my head. I was just like. You know, I, I drink so that my brain stops talking. If you haven't noticed on this podcast, right. I think a lot. Um, <laughs> so I, I so I try to drink to quell the the noise, and I found it was right. doing the opposite. It was just like it was like amping it up. You know what's so interesting? I'm the same way. If I smoke, my I think more. 
like I don't necessarily talk more. I probably talk less, but I think more like my brain speeds up and on booze, my brain speeds up too. Like alcohol is kind of a, a stimulant for me, at least up to a point. But uh, like weed makes me go insane. Like I'll just stare at a computer and like freak out. I'm like, you know, like, oh, and like start thinking about all the computer science and the engineering that goes into it. Like I can't help but thinking. So all these people that most, you know, what's interesting is like we both like alcohol and we're both similar in a lot of ways. And we neither of us like weed because it does the same thing to us. There must be some kind of genetic component or psychological component of people who like weed. I think I'll try it again once more when I'm never dr- not drinking at all and find out if I have a different experience. But it reminded me of a certain place of drunk that actually happens to me sometimes where at that point, like if I'm out, I want to go home. Like I don't or I want to drink more. Just get to shut up because it's like, yeah, like it's in my head and not in it's actually not present. And it's very in your head, like very much like, like I'm just like talking right. to myself and I'm like, this is what I do all the time. Like this is, I can see why right. people who have trouble getting to that state, but I'm like, I'm naturally mm-hmm. at that state. So just amp me up like yeah. more. And I'm just like, I'm just like, this is miserable. Like, uh, like yep. for those of us that have that, where we have a very active brain and think a lot, I think yep. in that, like in a heady area space, I don't want to be more heady. I want to be. I drink to right. stop thinking Less about heady. things and and not yeah. worry about the end of the world and, and like, which is exactly the kind of thing like it would just like make all the right. things we talk about here like amped up and like yeah yeah now it's uh, a particularly bad time to be in your head if you know what's coming yes on. I, yeah it makes it gives me such anxiety it's interesting because when I was in Toastmasters a lot they would like there's a the way you start the first half of every Toastmasters meeting is uh, table topics. And so someone just comes with, and you don't know what they are ahead of time and they just ask you and you have to ex, do extemporaneous speaking as it's called. And so they ask you a question and you just have to stand up and give about a 60 second to two minute speech or whatever on that topic. And I was always really good at that. And I would always get the feedback. It's like, they would tell me it's like I'm on drugs, like, but I'm just that way naturally. I just like, will go so cerebral and start talking about whatever, just like, I'll just go forever and they would always tell me it's like you're on drugs like you're just like you're higher on ass and it's like i'm just that way sober so I, I really don't need the help i need the booze to dumb me down a little bit so i can <laughs> be into <clears throat> other things yeah uh, so yeah it's it's really interesting that because i know people who do like weed a lot and like weed is their main thing but dude, like if weed i mean look i think it should be legal for logical reasons but if i never smoked weed again like who cares? I wouldn't care at all. Drinking, yeah, I do kind of like. I do kind of like drinking. Yeah, yeah. And speaking of being in my head, did you see me? You saw the text I sent on the group exchange where I was getting yelled at for being mean to economists on Facebook. Dude, yeah. I'm well, first of all, fuck economists. Funny. I'm going to share this because I think it's actually pretty funny. So I had said some mean things about uh, economics and how it's not a hard science and. So I want to come crashing down and this guy tech he's a brother's good friend from when I was when I was younger. Uh he goes, You have many opinions. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> let's, just, let's just comment on this. I wish you learned to express them in a way that is not quite so holy and not quite so insulting to the idiot masses who don't yet understand your holiness. I agree with that that these are not free and open capital markets. And most economists slash educated people I know believe the same. The joke about Zoom is a good one in context. That's a relevant. But uh, anyway, all the let's jump to the part of the, all the while brilliant misunderstood bloggers like yourself are so far ahead of everyone else that it's just frustrating, frustrating that these apes can't see it. Please notice I did not use the word apes. He did. <laughs> Denigrating experts in any field for the twin sins of having spent a lifetime studying and yet having the bad judgment to believe something with which you disagree is something out of the craziest of the left and right wings. Please don't be them. So my response, I had two responses. The first one was, these so-called experts are the reason we are seeing the highest inflation of 40-plus years, an end of the dollar hegemony, and a change in world order, which is causing extreme pain for the most vulnerable. At scale, intentions don't matter. I believe that, by the way. Just the amount of damage your actions do or don't do. But in the future, I'll be sure to express myself in a way that doesn't hurt experts' feelings. Also, I'm not mad at or bothered by the masses who don't claim to be experts in any of these fields and aren't world leaders in charge of avoiding running the ship aground. And then I added, and fundamentally, it just comes down to whether I'm right or wrong. You think I'm wrong, so I shouldn't be acting this way. Because if I were right, I'd be entirely justified in my anger and my tone. 
So in give or take five years, we'll find out whether I was right and justified or wrong and need to apologize. But that's, that's, that's what I think. I felt like that was pretty accurate. It's very accurate. A lot of, I, I think a lot of people give too much credit to economists when there's almost no other profession that like espouses to be experts and yet couldn't, couldn't almost be more fractured. For example, like a good analogy, I think that would prove this about economists is like, look at lawyers. You can have a difference of, of opinions as lawyers, but they're, it's, they're very slight and they're almost in the gray areas where 99% of lawyers will all agree on the same thing about law. And you would probably be able to speak to this where it's like, no, what does the law say? Okay, well, that's what it is, right? Because it's something much more like, hard. Something like one third or one half of uh, SCOTUS opinions are unanimous, by the way, something like that. And right. And, that's, that's are pretty, are, and, and then the other, like, the, I think it's one third and one third are heavily in favor of one side. <laughs> like they have one or two people that right. are on the side. And then the other like one third, the ones we hear about um, that were, you know, we're five, four opinions. So it's right. quite often that even getting to the SCOTUS level, there's a lot of agreement um, on how things should be uh, interpreted. So, right. And we know how politicized SCOTUS is. So you could even see that, you know, and then you go to econ the economist side and I listen to a lot of podcasts and the, a lot of economic podcasts and you can just have seven from the right, seven from the left, and they will all disagree because some of them follow Keynesian economics, some of them are more socialist, right? Some of them are this. It's crazy. And my real problem is I think it's all Keynesian at this point in, inside of academia. Like if you're not, you're not in academia or you get run out pretty quickly um, or ostracized. Uh, and I think if anything, our podcast is very anti-Keynesian, at least right now. Uh, well, uh, what I'd probably say is Keynesian may have been the best option giving prior to Bitcoin choices, um, but it's caused real problems and the problems are now here to roost. And we either move to a system that doesn't allow for manipulation or, or, or we're going to be back here again in a hundred years um, if we survive yeah. it, <laughs> if we survive so this it. Is, so that's the other so thing. This, like is, it's, this is what I would say is I'm going to give Karl Marx some daps here and I'm in no ways a Marxist or a socialist. But I think one thing he did get correct was that he saw capitalism as a transitional economic system and that you do kind of get to the end point of it and something else needs to take its place because it will kind of run aground a little bit. It, it just speeds up because of power law distributions and wealth and power and how they accumulate at the top. And this can create some uh, chaos that you don't that hurt the bottom and because then the bottom outnumbers the top then you have this conflict. I don't necessarily like think that, you know, the labor needs to rise up and seize the means of production, but I do think what we talk about, you and I, there, there needs to be a, a, ne a next step after what we currently have of Keynesian economics, spending this money, MMT, it just like, it's not so, working and we need something else. Part of it is I don't think it was capitalism versus communism. I think that was a sure. misunderstanding right. in the way I Well, think, it's not the only choice, right? But I think it's a misunderstanding of the fact that it's, it's money. It's a money problem. Right? It starts with right. the root cause of money, not capitalism. So right. capitalism, true capitalism, would be open to free markets, which, according to Ted, he admits everyone knows we don't have open to free markets, right. and that is not true. There are plenty of economists who would say, "Oh, we're open and free. We're open and free enough," right? right. Um, and that's because of money manipulation, right? And and before uh, you know, if you didn't want to be Keynesian, um, you're the choices weren't that great because we didn't have the only sound money we had was gold and gold has real limitations. We've talked about them, but mainly the limitation is not being able to move it quickly and fast as a good medium of exchange. So what do we do? We create credit and any sound system that's built on gold ends up having credit laid on top and our entire system is credit based. So when you go to the store, you very rarely use cash. You often use credit cards. That's credit in the system. We built credit in the system. When you buy a house, you buy it using credit. You don't buy it, you know, you take on a giant loan and own part of it and put a down payment. You don't buy it in cash. Um, so it's because of the way the, the money has to move. If we want money to move fast over a long global world, we, we have to use credit based on our old system. Before Bitcoin, there was no choice. 
that that was that was the only way to get it to move fast in that regard. Otherwise, you'd have the slow stuff of gold. And gold was great at saving value through time, but not great at moving value through space, uh, and especially specifically fast. So even cash, you can move it through space, but it's not particularly useful if I need to get you money in China right now or Japan right now, like within 24 hours. I'm not going to use cash, so I have to use credit. So I call my bank, you know, bank which is a wire transfer, you know, they, and every so often international banks they settle up. Um, and that takes a long time. So there's a whole bunch of credit in the system and a whole bunch of connections. Bitcoin, for the first time, allows an asset that, c- that has the sounder money than even gold and can move at the speed of light anywhere around the world. So we don't need credit in the system. Now, I'm not saying there will be no credit in a Bitcoin standard world, but if there is, there will be a lot less of it. And it won't be at every step of the way. So it doesn't create these cascading effects when really bad things happen. And to me, that's the point. It's not Keynesian. Um, or who, who's, the, who's the other guy, Keynesian? Uh, I should know. Marx? No, no. Uh, oh. The Austrian economics. Why am uh, I blanking? Girdle? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Hayek. Hayek. Hayek, there you go. Hay- Hayekian, yeah. So Hayekian is a very Austrian economics guy. But the problem with that is Austrian economics is it prior to Bitcoin, it required the trust. And we talk about it in Bitcoin trust with third parties that required the trust of the government not to abuse the money. And big and every single government always forever will always abuse the money if they can. It's just human nature, right? Yeah, it's, it's 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 impossible to take that out of it. So in some ways you could say that Hayekian view is very naive. Uh it's just not the way the world worked or could work until Bitcoin existed. So I think there's a tension there. Like I've somewhat understand the Keynesian point when we're operating in a, what we call the fiat world, right? The fiat system because of the way the world works and just the what natural, uh, the way the world. So even like now I vote, when I vote, I vote on where I'd rather spend the money because I, I, I've accepted that both the Republicans and Democrats are going to spend money. So my vote, given that I only have two choices because I really do, because I'm sorry, but third parties are not going to ever win in the next 10 years. I've got to decide between do I want to, how do I want to spend the money? Who do I want to help by spending the money more or less? We're going to hurt everyone because it's going to cause inflation, but we can hurt people less or more depending on where we decide to spend that money and how we decide to spend that money. So as a result, I end up voting Democrat a lot, but not because I particularly like the like the thing, but the reality is just that that's where we're at right now. Every party all the time will spend right now. And so I do it, but that's – so I'm Keynesian as a practical matter until we get to the Bitcoin world. But I'm not particularly happy about it. Um, and I, the only thing I would other add is to that post up there is to point out that he, I think economists economists think they're a hard science. Economy economics is a hard science. It's not a hard science. It's not physics. It's not chemistry. This is not a hard science. But they act like they are, and they even have Nobel Prize for it. But it wasn't even mm-hmm. a real Nobel. It wasn't the one listed. So they created that separately. That was not left to, in Nobel's. Um, you know when when Nobel died, his will. He, he he left his will, and the, yeah, the economics one is the only one that didn't exist. They created it after the fact. Uh, it's a different group that created it. So, but they like to be treated as a hard science, and that's part of my thing that pisses me off so much. Like they're very much on centralized planners by default. Most of them end up become centralized planners, and the other ones are the Hayekians who are less so. Um, but the Hayekians just aren't in control of the academia right now. They. They just aren't. They've been largely because th- they've largely been proven wrong in a way um, because of how well how well Keynesian economics works until it doesn't, right? And then when it doesn't, <laughs> it's a it's, big deal when it doesn't. Yeah, yeah. It's and it's not a unique position you hold. When I was uh, studying math and engineering and all that stuff, I had a lot of colleagues or fellow students who were deep into math and none of them took economics seriously. None of them were like, no, economics is a hard science. They all laughed at economics, like real math, like math is obviously a very hard science. Physics is a hard science. And you look at economics and you're like, what is this? This is not, this is not hard at all. And it's not necessarily, I would say it's not necessarily their fault. It's their fault that they want to consider themselves a hard science, but there, there's no, way to really experiment in economics you're dealing with such large and chaotic systems that affect real human lives you can't just take a hundred thousand people and move them to a random uh town 
start a new town, right, and give them a new economic system, and then take another 100,000 people and put them in a different town and give them a different economic system, and then measure the outcomes. It just doesn't work. What happens is you have large societies that subscribe to one or other economic systems, and then you give it 100 or 200 years, and some of them fail and fall into disarray, and some of them don't. But in the entire time that's happening, in the fluctuations, you have people claiming victory when the game's not over yet. It's like claiming victory after the first quarter or the second quarter or the first round or the second round. It's like, whoa, we've only been a country for 275 years or whatever. Like, we don't actually know if this is going to continue. And you look back at the Romans, you look back even the English in more recent times, the ancient Chinese, they all did the same thing. They all developed money systems that then developed, they all had gold and then they gave those gold to people who would hold the gold. And then those people who held the gold came up with credit systems and started trading on credit and then started devaluing the currency and inflating uh, the prices. And then that eventually led to collapse. It has happened over and over again. <laughs> and so if anything, there's a lot of evidence for what we're doing, where it leads uh, when you inflate the money system too much. Um, because it always ends up with the top having too much, the poor not having anything because the top stole it all. And then they get pissed and then they literally do kill the rich or no one can, because they can't afford food. And to be fair, I think there's a good amount of people who are not actually actively stealing from the poor there. I think what they're doing is no. good. I mean, most people think they're good people. I think they're doing the right thing for the right reason. They're helping the economy and most people will be okay. Right. Um, I, I don't think they're that evil. So I think we need to avoid no, uh, it's ignorance. that kind of thing. Yeah, it's mostly ignorance and arrogance, right? Uh, although he was – Ted was basically accusing me of arrogance. But I'm arrogant about the fact that I am really pretty sure I'm right here. And again, five years we're going to find out. Either this world goes really bad, gets considerably worse, and then my anger doesn't seem all that misplaced um, or, or doesn't. But the only reason he can yell at me in that regard, in the way he did online, is because he fundamentally doesn't agree with me. He doesn't think I'm right. If he does think I'm – because if I were right – there'd be nothing wrong with what I just said. There's nothing wrong with the tone I use on this podcast or anywhere else about what I think people are doing right now and how bad it is. Um, the people in charge and, and the economists who are supporting the people in charge by giving them like MMT, I just think is a disaster. And my real hope is that when, when this fails, cause I am 95% sure I'm right. And if that proves right, my hope is the MMT people are run out on a, run out of town basically and they have to go dig digits or something and do something that they can't cause harm because they are the ones who bought us here this is the only thing kentians repackage uh with an extreme degree that's all mmt yeah. is the only thing i would disagree with you on is the five-year timeline i think they could i think things can take a lot longer like i think it could take what i think years, it's 15 years i think it's probably what i really mean is five years we're going to start seeing the breakdown already starting mm. it could take years 10 years to fully play out i think that that's correct but i think in five years you're going to start seeing it's pretty hard to ignore right now unless you've got your head in the sand with uh, sky high cpi which a lot of people um, do. um so but it's only gonna get worse right in five years so in five years it's going to be hard to ignore and at that point everyone's going to be equally angry as i am uh, anyone who's sane um and my anger will be justified at that point. So basically more of my argument with him was just that by five years, we're going to know if I'm more right or more wrong, right? And if right. my anger was justified. Because the problem is, though, you have to be angry before the event happens or it doesn't much matter. Because <laughs> because by that point, right. five years from now, I'm going to be moving on because I'm going to have a lot of Bitcoin. And I'm going to be sitting pretty while I'm watching the world burn. And that's going to be really, really tough for everyone. And I'll be just trying to avoid the the world burning. I'll be the guy with the guns and Bitcoin, guns, Bitcoin, well, and canned canned yeah. food, trying to avoid the the world. And there's precedent for that. I mean, the world has melted many times before, and the entire world doesn't ever melt altogether. Like, there's always safe places. There's always rich people that get out. You know what I mean? It's not like you know. You could say the underworld is here. But it's not here; it's over there, and yeah. so it's and you know who knows what will happen. We've rebuilt society a number of times, so we're not saying like it's going to be we're going to go back to the. Uh, my age. real hope is, and I've talked about this before, is that it's sort of a slow transition uh, over a decade or two, where we just sort of on ramp onto Bitcoin more and more, and um, 
you know, maybe with some gold backing as well or whatever, commodities backing, but it just gets a lot, but it can go worse, better or worse. And it depends on a lot of things, most of which are not in either of our control. Uh, where we have very limited control. The only extent I have control over it, I think it's really my friends, family, and any listeners on the podcast, right? I can convince them that this is happening and you better, if you don't agree with me, at least hedge in case I'm right. <laughs> um, so you're yeah. not as screwed. Uh, Ted is obviously too arrogant to possibly convince to do to do this. Um, that's fine. I mean, he's the prototypical uh, yuppie elite we've talked about on Christmas. <laughs> thing. Yeah. You know, why the yuppie elite dismissed Bitcoin. Uh, that's a great article, by the way. And he's pretty much a prototypical. His wife is even more so. His wife is a Harvard doctor who got educated in um, in healthcare policy as well at Harvard, I think. And, and uh, like the ultimate yuppie elite. <laughs> it's just like, and even her COVID means. takes are kind of r- ridiculous. Um, so yeah, you know the yuppie elite? Yuppie elite? You know the yuppie elite? I do. I know what it is, yeah. It, yeah, I used to make, I used to make, well, it's, it, I mean, they're just the, uh, the stereotypical, like rich, yeah. white left, you know, liberal elite thing, you know, when people yeah, yeah. talk about the very, very well elite, educated, too, yeah. yeah, very yeah, well educated very, and yeah. Yeah. Or at yeah, least it's, educated in a traditional sense, right? Exactly. In a traditional sense. Very much of the system, right? So exactly, and close to the system, and the systems work perfectly fine for them, so they don't understand why it couldn't possibly work for anyone else. <laughs> Which is literally what so many people are upset about. Yeah, yeah. Like you don't understand why the system doesn't work because it worked for you, and it doesn't work for all these other millions of people. But you're saying the system's to fine. To the extent it doesn't, they think it's all about like whatever the hot thing to to be angry right. about is race or gender yeah. or whatever and it couldn't right. possibly be the money in the system the, exactly. it's never it's never it's never the, the, the whole financial system that is not mm. that's unjust <laughs> right it's like various foundational point it's almost something else because like well it worked perfectly fine for me so you know uh, yeah it's just very it's, it's a very weird thing so anyway yeah that's i think a lot of what's going on but it, it was a fun, it was a weird interaction. It was a fun interaction. Um, I mean, he hasn't responded. I don't expect him to. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, well, when no, you, when you lay the smack When you down, put someone in their place, yeah. there's, not, there's not much you can say, right? Yeah. Yeah. Unless, they, unless he's going to come back with like a well-researched dissertation, but probably not. And, if, and then if you did, then you come back with your, it's just like, most people are just like, nah, well, I'll move on. Yeah, but and the other thing is, like, I'd put my predictions against his any day of the week. Uh, yeah. uh, we we have ours publicly posted, and we're doing pretty we well. Them. Yeah. By the way, I forgot to mention. I think we did. We get it. We got a new new named Delta, uh, new named variant, the Delta Cron. So they started to do is not use the thing, and they started just merge things together. Yeah. Uh, so so that one did come true. We did get another. It was it was lost. You can search for it. It was lost in the middle of the Ukraine war and everything else is going on, and we're yeah. going to hell in a handbasket. But it does exist. So that one did. That was a yes as well. Heck yeah. Um. So, <laughs> so, so there's a lot. There's a lot of going on. It's crazy. Anyway. You do have a few things to talk about other than my my Facebook posting and 420. <laughs> 420. Uh, uh, yeah, so the first thing that I thought would be fun to talk about was actually the um, – I don't know if this is fun. Fun maybe the right word, wrong word. Uh, mass mandate case out of Florida. So this was – this came out. I don't know if you guys were paying attention to the news. I suspect you guys were. Well, the mass mandate on airplanes ended uh, – or all travel, I think, actually. By the way, this the executive order that was challenged – I didn't realize this included uh, Uber and Lyft. That's why you've been having to wear masks in Uber and Lyft. So I suspect it also ended those. I don't know. I haven't gotten into Uber and Lyft yet. It's but, so ridiculous. But the judge, uh, Catherine Kim- Kimball Mazel, by the way, she's a UF grad, University of Florida uh, law grad, which is where I went Go to Gators. Law school as well. Go Gators. Right? Yeah, that's where I went to law school and my master's for my JD. Uh, my, my LM, so my JD and my LM. So uh, she was she graduated two years after I did, after I did for my second uh, second one. But anyway, um, and she used to clerk for Clarence Thomas for a year. So Clarence Thomas is one of the only ones who takes non Ivy League clerks, which I think is actually good. Uh, so she's one of them. She was 
rated unqualified for the ABA for the thing, but that had to do with the fact that she hadn't litigated enough, they said, which is weird because she was litigating all through the DOJ. They just ignored it. <laughs> they were, they're not a big fan of, uh, of government uh, employees, I don't think. But she was DOJ as well attacked, so probably was actually qualified. Anyway, but her case was sort of, I think, was wrongly decided. And let's get into it a little bit. So basically, I'm just going to spoil alert this thing. Because I'm sure you guys are not all that just kind of want to understand. This is the kind of arguments that happen in law. But the argument was literally over the definition of sanitation. I'm not even joking. That's that's oh, what it God. comes down to. That's what the case comes down to. Uh, I'm not even joking. So this goes to 42 U.S. Code 264, uh, regulations to control communicable diseases, which is under the CDC. So under Section A, and I'll read this real quick. The Surgeon General, with the approval of the Secretary, is authorized to make and enforce such regulations as in his in his judgment, are necessary to prevent the introduction, transmission, or spread of communicable diseases from foreign countries into the states of possessions, states or possessions, or from one state or possession into any other state or possession. For purposes of carrying out and enforcing such regulations, the Surgeon General may provide for such inspection, fumigation, disinfection, sanitation, pest extermination, destruction of animals or articles found to be so infected or contaminated as to be sources of dangerous infection to human beings and other measures as in his judgment may be necessary. So basically your argument went like this. First, if you have a if you have a earlier clause, namely the introduction, transmission, or spread of communicable diseases, like that's what they're trying to prevent, that is then can then given an illustration of examples, the illustration of examples is smaller, then it must be contained with the illustration of examples. Whether that's true or not, I, I think it's a little bit of up for debate. Um but that's what she went. And then she said, basically, she kind of ignored other measures, saying other measures are just kind of examples of former things. So it must come down to what the, because it's not inspection, fumigation, disinfection, pest fermentation, or destruction of animals, it must be sanitation. So if it's sanitation, is wearing mass sanitation. And then she gets into, uh, uh, she gets into two different definitions. She looks, first looks at Webster, uh, I'm not even joking about this. This is what she pulls out. This is pretty normal, actually, because so a lot of times in law will have a statute will actually have a definition laid out. And so the first thing is, so if it has a statute, if it's like, sorry, a definition laid out in the statute, then you use that definition. But if it doesn't, you have to figure out what a word means. If this is often what law comes down to was what did what did Congress mean when they passed this law? Right. So you're looking at and textualists, which. Clarence Thomas is an absolute textualist. So she was working for Clarence Thomas. She's going to be probably of that, most likely of that belief that textualism is the correct answer. You're going to look at the meaning of the word. So she pulled out a dictionary. And let's see if I can find it real quick. She pulled out a dictionary. And she looked up the words as sanitation. And she started with, she said, it first sanitation may refer to this is Webster's one she cited to. First, sanitation may refer to measures that clean something with remove filth such as trash, collection, washing with soap, incineration, or plumbing. And she kind of jumped around with a few other definitions from different normal dictionaries. But then she compared it to a a different definition, which was, was out of more of um, medical textbooks. She said, second, sanitation may refer to measures that keep something clean. Measures refer um, and then she chooses a few of the examples, including in the bank, she says, the use of sanit here's an example, a simplified medical dictionary for lawyers, the use of sanitary measures to preserve health. And then examples of this sense of sanitation, the different types of sanitation of the word include air filters or barriers, masks, gowns, or other personal protective equipment. So then she then reasoned that because it wasn't she then kind of reasoned that because it wasn't specifically stated, it had to be the former one, which is the general rather than the specific definition within the medical community, which is sort of weird because this is issued by CDC. <laughs> so I think this is obviously wrong. We decided. I obviously I think it was more broad than than intended to be the Webster's Dictionary level. I think it was probably more intended to be the medical uh, issue. They already at this point used masks during 1918 influenza before they passed this law. Uh, that the regulations are under, and it was issued under the CDC, not under a general purpose sanitation clause. So I think it was clearly wrongly decided. It'll be interesting. So apparently the CDC has requested the DOJ to appeal the ruling, 
even though in two weeks they were going to drop their mask mandate anyway. I think the real answer is they're afraid of losing their power, which is a real issue. Because if they, if they, if, I mean, think of all the times the CDC requires masks to be wearing that aren't have anything to do with COVID nineteen. If this doesn't allow for it, then it is nowhere under the current regulations that they could require masks ever again in any other context. And it's absolutely absurd to me to believe that this is the outcome that Congress intended. Um, and especially when you have a very valid sanitation, like definition of sanitation, you just decide not to use it because you're like, oh, in this case, it has to be the. <laughs> yeah. It, it, so it's, yeah. So that's how we ended up where we are. I, I do think it'll be interesting to see if she's overturned, if they actually do appeal it. I probably wouldn't appeal it if I was going to drop it in two weeks. I probably would have just issued a statement why we think this was incorrectly decided and we went on appeal. In two weeks, we're going to drop it anyway. And therefore, we are saving our taxpayer members and not going to do it. But I can see why they, uh, sorry, saving taxpayers money and not going to do it. But I think they were probably going to do it just because they're worried about potentially having a toothless CDC running around, which actually would be a real problem in a future pandemic as well, which we're almost certainly going to have at some point. People, people on Bitcoin get so upset when anyone says that. They're like, you're definitely guaranteeing it. Then you're like, that means you're manipulating diseases are going to leave them. Like, no, it's just they happened long before we were manipulating diseases. So, <laughs> yeah. What do you, we've been, we've had them for thousands of years. We're going to continue to have them for thousands because that's literally what, that's what like it is. You, you get a virus, a light, it's called evolution and it yeah. figures out a way to spread and make a bunch of people sick. And it's like, yeah. it jumps from a pig or a bird or where it's, it's, they're not going to stop happening just because we're not, if we even if we stop studying them, like they're going to keep happening. That's na- like what are you talking about? It's nature. So I guess that that's why they're appealing it because by the time it was decided, I think it'll be moot for this point, but it'll probably be relevant for other future cases and other cases where they tell people to wear masks. But that's exactly how that case came down. So you now know the inner workings of law and how it works. Congratulations on your law degree, everyone. You're now lawyers. <laughs> Just kidding. No, yeah. actually, so for but- the layman. Let me let me let me repeat so make sure I understand because I'm sure the people listening. So basically, what happened was she, she looked at the the CDC regulation and they talked about we need to wear masks because of sanitation reasons and they have a definition of sanitation and she said, but there's a different definition in the Webster Dictionary of sanitation and wearing masks doesn't. uh, doesn't conform to this definition in the Webster dictionary. Therefore I'm striking this wearing mask thing down. Pretty close. So when they issued the executive order, they had to decide under what power they do it. And that's the power under that regulation. So she had to decide where Mm. under this regulation it would sit. And her most logical opinion was the sanitation line, which absolutely would have made also sense because the medical dictionary included things like wearing masks, but she decided that it couldn't possibly be that it had to be the more normal meaning of sanitation that the Congress meant and not the more specific medical community one, even though this was issued under the CDC regulations. I have so many issues with that. The, the chiefly as a layman and a lot of people might not know this, but the dictionary isn't uh, prescriptive. It is reactionary. It does not tell us what words mean. It is just collecting how we use words and then writing them down. It's a it's a ledger. It's a record. It, they're oh, not keep in mind prescribing keep in mind, how words. She looked at it in the twentieth century um, dictionaries. Oh my god! But she grabbed the old dictionaries because, and this is actually probably fair. At the time, Congress writes that words can change, right? So sure. she's looking at the time they're writing. Otherwise, you'd have to you constantly have changing laws. My bigger issue is that there's another more logical definition that she could have used she just decided not to um she decided oh it must be more general use Sounds like even cherry though 100 percent is cherry picking <laughs> but if you're going to cherry pick i prefer cherry picking the way of public health and one that makes logical <laughs> sense from the cdc standpoint like they probably did mean a more broader definition of sanitation and yeah. like i'd be worried about the knock-on effects now i get that you could have Congress just come in and clarify if they wanted to, but we don't have a functioning Congress. So I think you got to be even more careful about it than you would be normally. Like if we had a normal time, okay, strike it down. Congress comes in, clarifies real quickly and we move on. Right. But we don't have, we don't live in 
uh, functioning Congress time. So, no, that is so crazy to me. So, like, it, it, so it feels much more like she decided the answer before she wrote the opinion, and then and found then wrote the, the opinion, and then wrote the opinion to get the answer she wanted. Yes. Well, isn't Clarence Thomas? The one whose wife uh, thought that the election was stolen. So, yes, <laughs> I don't yes. know. Who knows what this yes, person he is? Believes. That one. He is that one. Yes. Yep. Maybe maybe not the best critical thinkers in that. Uh, in that, I don't know about that. I mean, I actually like Thomas quite a bit for his opinions, for clarity of his opinions, not because of his decisions, but so he writes in a very clear, understanding way. Like, so one of the problems with so this gets into how law is used. So law, when you're writing a court case, a court case, especially the Supreme Court, you're going to be, people are going to rely on that as the law going forward. It right. becomes the law. It's like, it's like writing for Congress, like a statute for Congress, like a law. So I don't want your novel. I don't care about your flowery mm -hmm. language. I need clear writing. So I know how to apply a rule to advise clients going forward. And if I were a lower court judge to be able to decide course cases, uh, either for or against according to your rule but if your rule is very fuzzy and you're not a very clear writer and there's a lot of this kennedy was very famous for anthony kennedy was very famous for getting very flowery was was language um it could be you could have a decision outcome you really liked um so there was there's one called lawrence uh, lawrence v texas the one that basically ended the prohibition the pro it basically struck down a, a law against sodomy for gay sex um so it's considered a gay rights case and kennedy wrote it and he wrote very flowery language and so there's a guy who came on campus who argued that it was like the worst decision ever and of course all the liberals got angry but his point wasn't that it was the worst it wasn't the right worst outcome it was the worst written decision like it just was very hard to apply this test going forward because he was using he was being more artful and poetic than he should have been a, but you're not your job is not to write poetry on the Supreme court your job is to write court cases that people rely on so it became a real big problem and, and thomas is kind of the opposite thomas just writes very clearly so even if i don't agree with his opinions at least i know why i don't agree with them <laughs> I, like i know i know and i know and again because he's a he is a true textualist and i prefer textualism over original so originalism is also another way of thinking about it. Most textualists are also originalist, but I'll sort of unclear whether they will go text first or originalist first, but Clarence always goes textualism first. Like if text, if the text is very clear, he just ends it. Um, whereas Scalia was considered an originalist as well and a textualist, but he would bend over backwards to get outcomes he didn't much like. Like, like outcomes that didn't make sense based on his interpretation of how the law should be interpreted but we know he personally didn't like uh, there's a medical marijuana case racially gonzalez so race so this guy he grew marijuana in his backyard in california walked across the street and gifted it to his um to his friend for medical purposes and he got arrested for distribution or whatever um and the question was so there's a question of why the federal government can get involved there this is, and it's a big question. Is basically most federal laws reside under the interstate commerce clause. That's a very, it's a very broad interpretation. The way that we have it currently, that all things, basically all form things impact the economy, which therefore impacts interstate commerce. So Scalia wrote the opinion, and Clarence wrote the blistering, very clear dissent, that basically said. There's nothing interstate about this. He walked across the street in the same state. <laughs> There's not commerce. He gifted it. There's literally no money exchange. How can this rise to interstate commerce when it doesn't meet either definition of either word? Um, therefore, right. the federal government has no control over this, and it should have been left up to the state of California to deal with, right, and whatever they want. Um, and Scalia bent over backwards to make this fall under the interstate commerce clause because he's generally an originalist who believes in a much smaller interstate commerce clause. But he doesn't like he didn't like pot, he didn't like marijuana. So he wrote the case and did a and everyone who read it and who was actually principled in their belief on, on how judicial reasoning should go, pretty much could see through him and just like okay, this is the end of him. Like he is, he can't defend his positions anymore as intellectually honest because. Thomas had the better end of this argument.
especially if you're an anti abroad interstate commerce clause, which he supposed Scalia supposedly was, because this was absolutely a case where there was nothing interstate about it and no commerce took place. And no commerce. <laughs> That's so crazy. I, I'm, I guess I'm a textualist. I, yeah, that. Yeah, he he walked across the street. <laughs> there's no interstate, and he gave it to him. There's no commerce into into discussion. Why are we talking about this? Move yeah, on. there's no interstate. There's no commerce, and so Thomas had the better end of that. And and I think people who don't and they're both conservative. Say, yes, but I think Thomas is more principled in his um um in his judicial interpretation. Uh, I have no idea. So the other thing is people get really upset because he like you know was one of the guys who didn't want to unseal the records for uh, for Trump, but he's always had a very big interpretation of the executive privilege. Um, he, so I have no idea. I mean, it might have been because he was biased by by his wife. I honestly don't know, but it's also consistent with everything he's ever done long before his wife was ever telling Trump to hide shit and stuff. So, um, so I don't know for sure. And people were like absolutely sure. I'm like you really should go back and read it. Cause I mean, he's been, he's been like this for like decades, like on that, on that, that question. Um, so there's nothing. And I mean, he did it for pretty much every, every president too. So he was pretty open about that. So I just, I, so that's the kind of thing he has. A, he has an intellectual consistency. That's at least fair. Uh, you may disagree with it, but it's, it's pretty much always the same. So you kind of know where he's going to come out a lot of times. Um, and it, you know, that annoys a lot of, liberal lawyers who are like you know he doesn't even ask questions he just barely pays attention at all during oral arguments because he's already decided it. and i go yeah because generally he's like if you can't write it in a 20-page brief like i if you if everything's not there that's your fault like i'll read right. the brief but the and i'll make the decision and everyone kind of knows where he's gonna go but near gorsuch is another conservative justice he's also very much a textualist uh and it's worth reading his stuff because he's the one who's very pro Native American rights, but he's also very much a textualist. That's why he keeps aside in favor of the Native Americans. Uh, he there's a, there's a great case where he basically uh, it was an instant case. I think it was a case was a, someone was killed on a Native American reservation, I believe, um, and the question was who had the right to try them? Could the feds do it? And we had very clearly told them they had complete control over this land and the treaty or whatever, and and he basically wrote a long opinion part about how we just have been trampling their rights for a long time and reneging on, on promises. And he goes, but the minimum we can require is Congress. If you're going to renege on this promise, you have to go and pass an actual law um, and, and actually specifically address this treaty that you guys signed. Because he said everything is clearly allowed under this, and we've never done anything. And so, if we're going to break the promise, you got to actually break the promise in law. And 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 it was very it was interesting because he's one of the only justices to ever serve west. He's the only justice to serve west of the Mississippi, which is probably part of the reason he is pretty favorite Native rights. Uh, but he also is a guy who decided in favor of the trans rights. So this has to do, I think, with the Title IX question, but it had to do with whether or not gender identity uh is part of uh is sex because it didn't you know gender identity isn't specifically called out in the in the statute and, and he goes of course and basically his argument is a textualist one of course gender identity is about sex it's about an incongruence between who you believe you are and your biological sex therefore discriminating on trans discriminating against trans people is discriminating based on sex definitionally has right. to be because it's about because being trans is about a difference between your gender identity and your and sex, sex. biological sex yeah. so, and so he, fa he found a favor of the trans rights based on a totally textual argument um and of course you know that's part of the reason i respect textualism when it's done right i think it's generally probably better but i would just argue that this one is this one is textually could have gone the other way too. And under the CDC, I think I would have because I've been like, were they probably looking at medical textbooks when they wrote this law? Like, were they, were they were people advising the lobbyists and all these people involved in using medical terms, or were they using just normal? Were they know, doctors? It's a term of art within that community. You know what I mean? Right. And had, and I would use the more I'd be more willing to use the term of art within a community, assuming it's about the community. 
issue. Right. Yeah. Exactly. It'd be like if I had some marketing acronym and it meant something different to somebody else, and you, yeah, there's some marketing issue, and then they use the other day. It's like, well, we don't use it that way. <laughs> you no, know, no, we don't. Whole <laughs> community that uses it this way, and they're like, That's no, we're gonna go with this other one. You're <laughs> like, what? Yeah. Yeah. Well, the doctor said this. Well, the the Webster dictionary disagrees <laughs> with you, Mister Doctor. <laughs> like, I don't. That okay. That isn't fine. Well, that was uh, well. We learned a number of things here. One that uh, I guess I'm a textualist because I feel like that's how I would interpret things. Like, what does it say? <laughs> what does the thing say? What does the thing say? Yeah. What does the thing Start say? There. Go with that. Stop yeah. writing me poetry, dude. Just what does the thing say? It's not interstate and it's not commerce. Yeah, I'm going to lunch. <laughs> Why did yep. you schedule a three-hour meeting for this? <laughs> <laughs> That'd be the Supreme Court judge. I would be. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, he's, you, not, you, you, he's not even paying attention. You, I read the brief. Here's my yeah, here's my yeah. opinion. Yeah, I don't need to listen to you. I don't need to listen oh, that's to you. Great. Yeah, so. that's great. That's funny. I, I I deal with a lot of that. Not I mean not legal stuff, but I have to give a lot of PowerPoint presentations in my job. And I'm like, this is the worst way to present evidence. Like, I should just it'd be if I just I should just write like a, a couple pages. But like yeah. I, I come up with this PowerPoint and I make it all pretty and use graphs and things and then I you know wax poetic. About it works for Amazon. It works for Amazon. Uh, well, seriously, that's what I always think. I'm like, why am I doing so many PowerPoints? Like I would Amazon, prefer as a client. Amazon doesn't do PowerPoint presentations. Memo. They do memos. They do 20 page memos, and they require anyone, all the executives, to read it. So they spend so they, when they, have, they schedule a meeting, everyone shows up for the meeting, and yeah. the first 15 to 20 minutes is just reading the reading the um reading the memo before they discuss it because they know if they don't block it off, people won't have read it. Right. So that's why I spend the first. So they re, may force everyone to read the memo. I deal with that too. Yeah. I usually, this is what happens. I usually have to send this. So ridiculous. This is a marketing work for you. Usually a couple of days before we actually have the reporting meeting, I have to write down all of the highlights, quote unquote, and we send that to the client days ahead of time so that they can look at it and then come with any questions. And do you think they ever look at it? No. <laughs> they don't ever so why am i wasting my time because it's and then you show up for the meeting and then i present it's just dude i always think about that amazon thing i'm like dude if jeff bezos uh, he's not there anymore but i'm like if they're writing memos why am i not writing memos why am i doing a powerpoint like don't we want to yeah. operate at their level no just a powerpoint okay sure whatever let me just and then and then you give me license to like you know present the numbers that I want to present. You know what I mean? It's like, I'm not like lying about it, but if, if I had to do it in a 20 page memo, like, well, I, I there's not a lot of hiding cause you're going to be able to follow the logic. Yeah. Like this doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So like, Oh, look at, look at the big, look at the big graph there. Oh, that's a nice bar chart. <laughs> yeah. It's a nice bar chart. Like lying with statistics. Isn't that, isn't that, uh, isn't yeah, that exactly. Yeah. yeah. There's, well, there's literally a book called telling, uh, telling a story with data. And yeah. it's just like, it, so like one of the things you know like if you present a number present it in context but i could present it in last month's context or last year's context like depending on which might look better so uh, let's mark there, there's one where um there's one where the biden administration lied uh do you, do you remember that one where they huh. had a i'll share it real quick on my screen here so i actually found it pretty quickly so here we go, guys. Right here. So <laughs> look at this. They randomly stuck 5.5 right in the middle at the same level. There's no 0.5 here. Someone came and oh, modified no. that. Really? This this is to make uh, it look like our growth is higher for the people that oh, are on listening. Wow. On and and so it goes zero, one, two, three, four, five, five point five six at the same measurement. So this made the it made the bar look significantly higher than it would otherwise the the, the growth and of wow. course they got called out and destroyed on Twitter for doing this and they're like no it was an accident it's just the it's just the way the program works no program sticks five point five randomly in yeah. there it's not a thing that no, happens it's not. I know how that stuff works you give it like you give it you tell it what to count by yeah it doesn't count it you can't tell it oh count four fifths of it in 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 integers and then add yeah. a decimal like that's not how that works. We all yeah. know how that's not how that works. So everyone was just like, "No, you're lying. Stop pretending this was some mistake for some intern in the back room. Like someone yeah. did this purposely." 
And you had to know what you were doing. And then, of course, they edited it, and then they put a new one out. But everyone called them on it. They were like, no, it was just an accident. No, it wasn't. Someone planned a lie. Yeah. And didn't think they'd get caught by anyone. That was the other weird thing. Like, like destroyed on Twitter. But that's called lying with, that's trying to lie with grass. So if you were in a, to to Luke's point, if you were in a PowerPoint presentation and I didn't have time to look at it, I might not notice that. It's the kind of thing I might not notice and just skip right over. Yeah. One, if I'm in control of the PowerPoint, and I'll send, I, we send the PowerPoints afterwards, right? But yeah. if I'm in no control of the look PowerPoint, at them after. no one's going to look at it no, after. No one's going to look at them. And I can just hit, oh, yeah. And you can see here, big, uh, lots of growth there. And I just click to the next slide. Yeah. And, uh, and maybe then, you're going to stop me, but probably not. And the other thing is, if you send it later, you can edit it before you send it. Right. Yeah. That's the exactly. other thing. Like, how, like, how would, how would you, like, if you send it before the meeting and had to click onto it, maybe. Which I do all the time. No, I don't do it with the data, but like I don't name it right. Yeah. <laughs> I'll just use the previous and I'll have the wrong yeah. name. And they'll be like, oh, can you send like, ah, okay. I got to go in and change the name and then I send it. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, it's, just, it. it's worth knowing that people are lying to you with bar graphs all the time. You got to pay attention. Details matter. Details matter. That's how they're going to get you. But yeah, so I think one quick thing we'll talk about. Uh, I was thinking about talking about the don't gay say, don't say gay bill and ronda santos we'll save it at disney because the attack on disney is pretty interesting i also kind of see how far it goes but keep that in mind we'll probably talk about it and it has to do with dc uh, sorry with disney having a very they have their own little town uh, by decree so we'll talk about that yeah it's fascinating story but it's gonna be we'll do maybe a longer podcast on on the whole history of that thing uh and then we can talk about what's going on but before we go, just mention that Israel is buying $200 billion of the Chinese one, and uh, it's going to be um, uh, it's going to be added to the reserve. So uh, in addition to, I think, Canadian and Australian dollars, I think are the other two they're adding. And, Jap- but, and Japanese? Uh, Japanese. Sorry, it was Canadian and Japanese because they already had Australian. They, had, they definitely had the British pound and the U.S. dollar. But the point is they're reducing the U.S. dollar uh, as part of their basket and then and adding China, China, which is the big one. Uh, Japan is, Japan has also just uh, said they're going to do unlimited your control control, your old curve control, which we talked about when you buy unlimited my, yield what, code control. Yeah. They've already said they're going to do unlimited amount uh, oh or basically God. at any price is what they said at any price. They're going to do it. Uh, they just announced at the bank of Japan. So that's what we're talking about is same thing when the fed comes into the market and buys their own, bonds japan is doing the same thing and they said we'll do it at any price uh, so there's they're having they're having a real problem with their bonds every country is by the way having a massive bond sell off there were no exception um i think canada uh, canada just ended a 40-year trend line our uh with the yield is going up ours have skyrocketed as well we hit three percent a few days ago which is very high for what it's been um so we'll have your control your corp control here pretty soon but we'll probably be the last one to do it i think which I've heard, and I think it's probably fair. It's probably true. So People can't see me, sometime this summer, <laughs> sometime this summer, and when that happens, Bitcoin's going to rip. That's a big so, deal. I mean, big. I think everything's going to rip, but Bitcoin's really going to rip because Bitcoin right now is just consolidating. Ripping so it, baby, four twenty. As you can tell, from Bitcoin is Bitcoin's been trading in a, sort of a very tight block for uh, yeah. basically since the beginning of the year, and as a result, what's happening is you know, hodlers like me are just buying every week out of our salary or whatever, adding it, and we're just and that means, and we can see the flows off the exchange. What, what I think the lowest amount on exchanges I think ever recently this week. So people are pointing off the exchange, put it under hard work with no intent to sell anytime soon. And that means as soon as we get a reason to rip, which might just be the Fed, it could be something else. Uh, it's going to rip. And if if the Fed starts printing, but if something else causes the rip to go before, it's really going to rip. So let's assume like SEC approves a spot ETF. That's going to cause it to go sky high too. Um, that happens. And then the Fed starts printing. You're going to see like, I mean, you could see $200,000 this year probably without much problem. Uh, if, both those, if both of those things happened. Um, uh, I wouldn't surprise me if we had 200000 in that in that case. Uh, but we'll see. Yeah. Uh, Long story short, I do think I'd be a little scared. I'd be surprised if it doesn't. Hit. I still will be. I still be a little surprised if it doesn't hit hundred thousand dollars by the end of the year. If, if oh, things wow. don't, like it just, it's just the minute we get the Fed printing, it's going to skyrocket. 
I'm still skeptical because uh, nothing good can ever happen ever. So. Well, keep in mind, this is a double-edged sword. If they're printing money, right. they're debasing our currency. So Bitcoin goes $100,000. $100,000 isn't what, worth what it is right now. So right. so right. just because it goes $100,000, I mean, it's still probably the better asset to own than other assets. But Doesn't keep in mind that if it's richer. going up because of printing, <laughs> yeah, I think it would be we're getting richer in real terms, unlike other assets, but we won't be getting as rich right. as we would if it were $100,000 right now and not, print, not caused by printing. Yeah. So. That, that's that's keep in mind if that's just because of the Fed printing and not anything other event, it'll be, it will probably be real returns for us, but it won't be as good real returns as it would be if it were caused by something else. Right. So like a shifting like of like a shifting allocation, like or yeah, yeah, let's assume just people sold bonds and bought Bitcoin. That's real return for us. We're going from one right. asset allocation to a different asset allocation with no increase in money in this whole system. Or if people sold gold to go into Bitcoin, that'd be another real asset allocation swap. Um, stuff like that. Or you know, spot ETF comes, people sell their, some of their stocks to buy a Bitcoin ETF. And then Bitcoin ETF company goes out and buys Bitcoin and takes it off the exchanges. And that causes the price to go up. Again, that's basically money going from equities into Bitcoin. That's a real asset change and would to be a real return for us i think whereas if it just comes from fed printing uh how much of that is real return i I'm, won't be as obvious for a while but some of it will be i think but not all of it some but some would be precisely because people are selling other things and switching right. into the harder asset but some of it will be because people are just getting money away by uh, you know new free money and just throwing it right into bitcoin so, yeah money that's not worth a ton so yeah so yeah. keep in mind, it just sort of depends on why we get there, but uh, and how how valuable it'll be. But I'm still not again long term. I don't think it matters. Five ten years, we'll we'll we'll, we'll all be very happy if you own Bitcoin. The happy in in the Bahamas or Puerto Rico or or somewhere. I don't know. Yeah, Puerto Rico. Right? I don't have to go with my U.S. citizenship, but get the tax benefits. Though that might not last if if enough Bitcoiners move down there. Eventually, they would. Yeah, I don't know. They'd have to. Unless we unless we all move there, I don't know how Puerto Rico works, but if we move there, we could just vote in a Bitcoiner, right? That's how it works. No, no. Well, Puerto Rico is a U.S. Um, territory, right. so what they would do is make so U, uh, Puerto vote. Rico a state. They just make Puerto Rico a state and then tax it with under the federal income regime. But right now, they got to give them preferential treatment because they're a U, they're a U.S. territory. Um, uh, so, uh, and so it's just all Puerto Rican sourced income gets taxed only in Puerto Rico, which is a 15% rate or something like that, rather than the full um, federal rate. And all your Bitcoin income will be treated as as Puerto Rico if you set your company down there. So a lot of, a lot of so you see what you see is very few billionaires down there. One billionaire is Brock, that Brock guy from My Ducks is like really big into crypto. But outside of him, there aren't a whole lot of billionaires in Puerto Rico because you're a billionaire, you can pretty much live wherever you want and just pay the taxes. Your lifestyle doesn't change. But what you see are in Puerto Rico is a lot of hundred millionaires, people whose lifestyle would be significantly different if their tax bill was right. a lot lower. And so they'll move down there and take their company with them at a hundred million dollars because it really will be a lifestyle change for them. Uh, right. Because the difference in tax bill will significantly make a difference in what like what their life looks like. So I think you see a lot of you know say fifty billion, uh, sorry fifty million to hundred million people down there. I met a few at the bar when I was down there. <laughs> so I Did you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they weren't they weren't Bitcoin people necessarily. A lot of them were just companies. They're people just bringing the company down. Yeah, you know, bringing the company down. They're like a successful oh. company, but they're worth like fifty billion dollars, fifty million dollars, and it was like oh. a lifestyle upgrade to come down and move their company down there. It was worth the hassle to bring it down and save that money. Because I was going to say, let's can... go talk to them. But if they're just normal rich people, who cares? <laughs> I only care about Bitcoin rich people because they're weird. And cool. <laughs> I mean, I was talking to everyone, so I'm sure I met people who own crypto, but I didn't have the hats at the time, so you know, it yeah. wasn't quite as well, obvious. Well, maybe don't bring it up. I even I wear this hat out a lot, and even uh, for those listening, we're both wearing Bitcoin hats. And even sometimes I'm a little like, mm, hopefully, no one like accosts me or something. But I was actually, I actually got asked about it. I uh, I was in Vegas, and we were at a we we're at a specific place, and the bouncer, I was wearing my hat, and he was like, "So are you into Bitcoin?" And we got like the VIP package and stuff. And I was like, yeah, dude. And he was like, he's like, dude, that's dope. Like, what should I get? And I was like, well, you know, I was like, you gotta be careful. Cause there's a lot of scams out there. I was like, so you should probably just buy Bitcoin. <laughs> but yeah. I was like, you can buy Ethereum if you want. I was like, but you yeah. should probably just buy Bitcoin, <laughs> but yeah. also don't buy other things. 
Yeah. Oh, so you so you kept the sticker on there for the style points, the snapback. No, sticker. I don't. Not necessarily. I just like I don't know. I never took it off. Yeah. I guess is that, is that am I, I one of those people now? Yeah, yeah. Because some know. people some uh, people keep the keep the a sticker on there for the that's on the, the but I never do because I think it looks a little uh, weird. Well, I usually wear it. Backwards. I'm also too. I'm also too white. So I never see it. Also, the thing is, yeah. I'm too white. I'm like, I'm like, can't do that. Like, like it's already it's the snapback look is already a little bit like a little weird for a white yeah. guy. So I definitely have to take the yeah. But I love, but I love them because they're just really nice monogrammed like Bitcoin. Yeah. But the other thing is, if you do that, please mention the podcast. That's yeah, the reason yeah, I own yeah. the hats. It's a perfect right. advertisement for the hat when people talk about yeah. it. I'm like, oh, by the way, if you're into it, and you want to know more. We got an intro to Bitcoin podcast episode. Yeah. We got some other episodes. All right. Well, I missed your that. chance, I missed but now, chance. now you'll think about it. That's why you should buy a few more hats and just wear them around. That's yeah. what I do. I do now. I'm a hat guy now, so you know, Bitcoin hat guy. That's yeah. what's up. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Anyway, I don't think we have anything else to say. So, uh, guys, right. please like, subscribe, uh, share with your friends. We'll do all that. It'd be great. Yeah. Appreciate you. Tag us on Twitter. Happy 420. See you. Happy.